Good morning. As a funny note, the last week I was reading a number of humorous puns found in church bulletins and realised that this week's uh, theme of the service and theme of the message makes for one of those puns. If you had read the service, it had said, theme by Pastor Wally, I will be with you always. And then it said, (laughs) follow after for his farewell service. So I thought, that was quite humorous. Of course, (laughs) these words that we're focusing on this morning are not mine, but they come from the very mouth of Jesus Christ. We've been looking at a series with the invitation to hear the words, the invitation of Jesus in a deafening world, in a chaotic world, in a busy world, in an anxious world. As followers of Jesus, we are invited to come and to hear his still, small voice. Now, I began this series with the full knowledge that this would be the theme that we would be ending, ending on, almost intentionally, seeing this as a, an encouraging word, hopefully for you and for I, in the midst of this season. So today I pray that we will leave and as we do we will have a greater awareness of the simple truth that God is with us. Words we may have heard many times but my prayer is that they may become deeper and more well known to us this morning. For his promise and his invitation still stands that I will be with you always. This morning I would like to unpack this reality from two key source passages that we find in the new passages. Two passages that help us understand the context of the disciples as they heard these very words. I'd like to read these two key passages this morning first as we begin to unpack them. We have lost clickage. Our theme, of course, I will be with you. And our source, first source passage is Matthew 28. If you've got your Bibles, open them. It might be an app that you open on your phone. <laughs> but these words are well known. Some of the last words in the book of Matthew that are recorded as Jesus shares them with his disciples. From Matthew 28:18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Today I'd like to do something a little differently rather than unpacking every element of this. I want to focus on this promise. I want to unpack the idea of this promise. Jesus also shared these words. Can you go forward for me again please? There we go. To the disciples in John 16 from verse 7. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking... I didn't do that. (laughs) Not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. 
If I do go away, then I will send him to you and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So we have these two key passages in a time when Jesus was about to leave. In a time of change. In a time where for the disciples, everything they knew and were excited about was about to shift. And these words, first in in John, were shared before Jesus would go and then in Matthew as he was going. As we read these, it's the promise that resounds. It's the promise in Matthew especially that he will be with us always to the very end of the age. Yes, there's a powerful promise wrapped in Jesus' final parting words to his disciples. And it is a consistent truth that that he has revealed throughout all of Scripture. For his promise to be with his people is a part of his very nature and character. And so what we're looking at is not a unique promise to this point in time. It is consistent with the way God has interacted with his people from the very beginning. And so as we unpack this promise that I will be with you, says Jesus, we firstly see this. This idea that God with us is part of the very nature of God. It's a part of the pattern that we see throughout Scripture that continues here for the disciples and the disciples would have known their history. They would have known it well. As Jesus would be sharing these words, I'm I'm wondering what would have come to mind for them. But as we look, especially in the Old Testament, one of the, the key parts where God promises this to his people is found in Exodus. And It's a time where Moses comes And there's a burning bush, you know the story. (laughs) And he's invited to come, he comes to check out this bush and he comes and God speaks to him, saying these words, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. For I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And then there's some toing and froing between Moses and and God, in a, in a number of ways, and a few verses later, Moses is, has been sent. God is about to send him to do this great task and promises that he will be with him uh, in the midst of this time. But Moses says, who am, I, who am I going to say sent me? Who am I going to say is the one who has sent me to do these things? And God says to him, he says, declare that I am who I am. This is what he was to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am is how God defines who he is. And quite literally, we can unpack I am to mean I am the one who is with you. I am the one who is with you. God is saying, I am the one who journeys with you. I will be faithful to you. 
I will stay with you. I will never leave you. I will be the one that will journey through you, through the desert, and will help you find new life. I will be your torch in the night and a pillar of cloud by the day. I will be with you so you can find your way. I am with you, declares God. This was his promise from the very beginning, from the very early of days. Then in the New Testament, probably the greatest name that God gives himself is to do with Jesus Christ. Who would come but Emmanuel, which means God is with us. For we read in Matthew one twenty three that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The faithful of God now becomes even more evident as Jesus Christ comes as a man in flesh, as he walks amongst us. And he lived here. It's, fascinating, it's a fascinating idea that he came that he dwelt among us. And I love that the word dwelt that scripture uses, being a long weekend, this is really relevant and this might be you right now. It quite literally means he camped among us. He came from heaven and he pitched his tent here with us so that he could know what it would mean to live like us, to talk like us, to eat like us, even to die like us. And he would rise again so that we could rise like him. He came to be with us. Even in all the midst of this, there's a, there's a mystery that we seldom fully grasp. And I, I need to admit this week as I was preparing this, this came home for me in a deeper way than I have realised um, and Pastor Sean even came in right in the midst of me having this moment and so he got to hear all of it. He's hearing this sermon probably for the third time now. <laughs> in the midst of this, this was a, even for me a mystery I hadn't come to terms with to this degree. And it is simply this, that Jesus is not the last word. There is something more. Jesus had an even greater way of being with his disciples, a greater way than simply walking with them. See, this is the mystery of the passage that we read here in John and it's a mystery that Jesus reveals to his disciples. As we read these passage, this, the passage earlier, Jesus is preparing the disciples because he is leaving and his disciples are grieving in this place. They're sad that change is about to happen. They're grieving and we pick it up in the verses In the verses, it says they're grieving. They haven't even heard all of what Jesus has said because Jesus has shared a few words and all of a sudden, bang, they're hit with grief. And you can only imagine what they have been thinking. But Jesus, we've only just started. It's only been a few years. Jesus, we gave up everything to follow you. We gave up our lives. We've been on the road with you for so long. But at the heart of it is this sense of, Really? Jesus, I don't want things to change. I don't want things to change. They cannot see past their grief when Jesus makes this astonishing statement. And in verse 7 you'll see, in fact it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If 
I do go away, then I will send him to you. Those words, it is best that I go away, have been fascinating. They've just been sitting with me. Because I, my whole life, I've, I, I love to imagine and dream, and my whole life I've always thought of what it'd be like to walk with Jesus. Have you done that? I always thought what a privilege it would have been to be one of those first disciples to walk with Jesus. I've, I've seen that almost as the epitome of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to have been there. That is that time. But Jesus is actually saying, no, it's actually better that I go. It's better. It's best that I go. This is a fascinating idea. As we unpack it and look at it, when Jesus leaves as a human, as a man, mankind, as as flesh, it's only then that his Holy Spirit will be able to come and to work amongst his people. You see, Jesus would still be with them, but through his Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of God. And in this verse, verse 7, the Holy Spirit is is referred to as the advocate, the counsellor, the comforter. Just the words the disciples needed to hear there. He's saying that Holy Spirit will come and he's going to comfort you and counsel you. I know your grief, he says. I, I know this is difficult, but he will come and give you the comfort that you need. And so we see this truth, that God is within us by his Holy Spirit. Not only with us, but within us. There's a vast difference in this. And I'm sure that the disciples found this hard to understand. I'm sure they didn't want things to change. This is part of our nature, isn't it? As I share this message, I'm, I'm aware that I'm going. And in no way, please try to correlate that I'm saying I'm going like Jesus is going. No, no, in no shape or form, please throw that straight out the window. What this is, is change. What this is, is our our comforts being challenged. What this is, is a season that we may not want, that's been thrust upon us and, and it's bittersweet. You see, it's part of our nature to hold on to the things the way that they are because change is not something that we find easy or desirable, especially when we like it the way things are. Oh, it's so easy when things are difficult. I mean, how many of you have, have thought of applying for a new job or going to a new place when times are tough, when the grass looks greener? We've all done that because it's like the easy way out. That, that's easy. But when things are going well, we don't want this to change. We, we don't want this to, to continue the way that it is. And we see this response in the disciples. Jesus, we don't want this to change. We're, just, we're getting to know you so much better. We're, we're in, in, enjoying this season with you. We're learning so much. We, we just want to continue in this place. However, this was not to be a part of God's plan. Have you discovered that in your life? I know I have. Just, just when you think things are settling down to some sort of normal, something changes. Banner gets thrown in the works. And just when you're starting to get comfortable, I'm almost at the point now that I get worried because I'm like, it's not going to stay this for too long. I don't know what it's going to be because life changes. And this is the way that God's planned it. And this is how Jesus had planned this season for his disciples. He had always planned to leave so that he could work in a greater way. And it unpacks this, this idea of 
the power of absence. And I want to sit in this for a moment. I want us to feel this for a moment. And these illustrations, I guess, that try to help us understand this mystery but cannot quite encapsulate it because of how great it is. This mystery that Jesus had a greater way of being with us, walking with us than being present in his physical form. There's this truth that relationships form in a unique way in the midst of absence. I mean, sometimes a person can actually grow closer to us not only in his or her presence, but in their absence, not only in their coming, but in their leaving. Think about it for a moment when a, when a child leaves home. Can you remember that time? <laughs> When you, you packed your bags up, I can remember being 19, I went to live at the Bible college I was studying at at that time. Now, I must admit, I'd come home on weekends, you know, to get food and the washing done. No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But there was a season I left, I remember packing my bags though, that was the most independent I'd ever been at that point in time. And I can remember going to this whole new adventure it's, and something shifts in your relationship with your parents when you leave. Something changes. You start to appreciate the things that they've done for you that you never realise they've done, like all of a sudden cooking and cleaning. It even came up in the pun. All of a sudden I'm out on my own having to do these things I'd never done before. But we appreciate them for who they are too in much greater ways. When couples part ways, oh, especially those lovesick couples, oh, that, that's, that's almost embarrassing to watch. Oh, I'll miss you. I'll miss you too. Oh, I'll miss you. I'll miss you. I'll miss you. You know, there's that huggy, huggy, huggy. Oh, I'm going away. I'm going away. I'll see you in three hours. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just that. It's, <laughs> but when married couples or couples part ways, let's give it a few days at least or a week, You appreciate that person. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. There's something very true about that. We we appreciate people in a whole new form when when we're not with them. And in a way, that that spawned the whole idea of writing letters. We may not do that now. We might write text messages or, or, or an email. Or maybe technology has advanced so far that all the young people in the audience are going right now, oh, he doesn't know about... Because <laughs> I don't know what it is. But forms of communication are different when we're apart. There are things that we can say as we write a letter, as we write a text message or an email, that we find awkward to say face to face. It's often when people part ways, we appreciate them and then and we pull out the phone and go, you know, I should, should, just wanted to say that I miss you that I appreciate you, that I love you. Probably don't say that enough. And so I just wanted to let you know. Smiley face, heart, other emojis go here. <laughs> Your name. We, we do it differently, don't we? It's, it's that absence that enables us. The relationship takes a unique form in absence. And even in death, even when our loved ones part ways, Relationship ceases to a degree, but, but it also doesn't because we forever love and respect them for who they are. That, that never changes. If anything, we come to appreciate them in a whole new way. See, in a strange, mysterious way, Jesus goes. And so he would still be with them in a form, but it would be different. It would be different. And it would be for their good. 
for the Holy Spirit would continue, to con- would continue God's work in a way that Jesus could not do as a man. That was the part for me that just really sunk in. That as he was going, that was a good thing so the Holy Spirit could come. We even see that there were things that the disciples could not understand in his lifetime. As we read the Gospels, we see time and time again that the disciples didn't know what Jesus was talking about over and over. Even at the ascension, as Jesus leaves in the Acts recording in Acts 1-6, he's about to go and they're looking at him and saying, aren't you going to restore Israel to power? Translation, we thought you were coming to completely change things And Jesus had told them for years upon years how that would look and what that would look like and then finally right at the end they come out with this ripper. They didn't get it. Everything he had been saying for three years went over their head and they went straight back to the thing that they wanted and it was simply for political power to come into play that would be for their favour. That was it. They still didn't get it. When Jesus said to his disciples, speaking of communion, this is my blood and this is my body, speaking of his death and his resurrection, they literally went, that's gross. They literally said, these are hard words. We don't understand this. And in scripture we read that many people left following him because he said these things, because they didn't get it. Well, they couldn't get it until he left. Jesus kept saying, I'm telling you this now so that later you will understand. And even in this John passage, Jesus says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. You're not going to get it, he says. It would only be when the Holy Spirit came that they would fully understand what Jesus had done. Jesus had to leave so he could so they and we could fully understand who he was. And when the Holy Spirit did come, it changed everything. They would have finally realised they had been part of something special. And this is the truth in this. They were no longer just with Christ, but by the Holy Spirit, they were in Christ. They weren't just walking with him Jesus departed and the Holy Spirit poured out amongst his people, God was now living within them. That was something that even Jesus as a man could not do. It allowed later, uh, in later writings in Galatians 2.20 for Paul to say, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. Can I pause there and say this? These are not just sentimental words. We say these sentimental words to comfort ourselves and each other at times. When people go, we might be, say things like, you will always be with me. And what we really mean is a, a, a memory. You know, or, or I might remember you from time to time. They're, they're sentimental words. They're not literal. As, as we read these, and even as God says these things, and, and, and as Jesus gives this promise that I will be with you, we can read them in that same form. That I am going, but don't worry, I will be with you. It can be like, oh yeah, they're nice things to say because they're they're the things we say as people go. But these are not sentimental words. This is a literal promise. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God will be with them and within them. In verse 13 of chapter John, Jesus 
talks about the reality of the Holy Spirit coming. And in this form, Jesus uses these words for the Holy Spirit. He uses the word pneuma. Pneuma. Which is a derivative of the word neo, which is to breathe or wind. It's an interesting form. It literally means this, the breath of God in us. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God within us. Not just with us, but within us. And if you pause for a moment and just take note of the breath within you. Just just breathe in. Now, if you, like me, you were just about to breathe out. Breathe in now. <laughs> and now breathe out. How, how close and intimate is your breath? It's, it's, it's just a part of who we are. Often we don't even recognise that, that we're doing it, but when we pause for a moment and we take notice, it, it's, it's so intimate. And Jesus would send his Holy Spirit to be his very breath within the disciples and within us. The Holy Spirit would come and convict and to guide as you, if exegetically you want to unpack that, go for it at a later time. But today, what we recognise is that the breath of God comes and lives within us. It empowers us. You see, this promise gives us the power to carry out the calling. Because in Matthew, we have these famous words, to go, to make disciples. We, we know them well. And can I just say that this is not a new calling at this point in time? Can we go full circle back to right where we started when Jesus invited some of his disciples to follow him? He said, I will make you fishers of people. Same invitation. He was already preparing them for this time. Right from the beginning, he was preparing them to carry on this work. That these disciples would go empowered by the Holy Spirit, knowing that he was with them I wonder, try to imagine for a moment how they would have felt. As Jesus stands before them and he's about to leave, I say that they were petrified. It's not Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, you know, yes, we shall go into the... They would have been shaking. They would have been thinking, what, it's on us now? You're going? Everything they knew was about to change. All their comforts being Jesus was about to, in person was about to go. But this promise meant that no matter, would, no, no matter what challenge would come their way, that they were not alone. And so for us, this promise still stands. As we go about our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, as we go as disciples, sharing the good news, making disciples, we can know this, that our God is with us. His very breath is in us, his Holy Spirit, as we continue this mission. It's a reminder that we are never alone. And life changes. It brings its challenges. There's a change for you and I before us. I know what God has for Roval Baptist Church, but I know that it's good. Because I know that this church is in God's hands. I know that his spirit 
dwells within you. I don't know what this season will bring for myself or for my family. But I know also that God's breath is within me, within my family. That he will be with us, that he is within us. For our God, the great I am, our Emmanuel is with us. And in his Holy Spirit, his very breath is within us. So we are never alone. Never. No matter how circumstances change. God is, is with us. God is in us. And that truth will never change. Can I pray? Lord, we thank you that you are constant, that you do not change, that you are a sure and certain thing. We can place our hope in you, Father, because everything else does shift. Everything else does change. Lord, we have to recognise that we find change difficult. things to stay the way they are. But yet, things change as surely as the seasons change. So we thank you that as the seasons change, as things shift, we thank you that you do not. We thank you for this promise, Father, that you were with us. We thank you for the Gospels and as we read these stories and for the disciples, the greatest change that they would have known up to that point in time, Father, was when you left and as you sent your Holy Spirit. But as we see, Lord, you were faithful. You filled them and you used them to do greater things, even as you said, you will do greater things, Jesus promised his disciples. And we see that as we look at, we look at history. We can see, Father, that the disciples did amazing things by the power of the Holy Spirit Things that they could not have imagined. So Father, in this season of change, we thank you that you were with us and that your promise still stands. And each of us here as your disciples, as your followers, Father, as we seek to live our lives for you, we go knowing that you are with us and by your Holy Spirit you are within us. And we thank you, Father, for the strength comfort that that gives and that brings. So now, now, Lord, as we go, we thank you that we can bless each other. As people come and as people go, we can commit each other into your hands, trusting your plans, that you work good things in all situations, Father. We thank you and we give you praise. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. God's people say, Amen.